Hello, and welcome to another episode of PPC Town Hall. My name is Fred Valles. I'm your host. I'm also the co-founder and CEO at Optimizer. So last week, I had the great pleasure of attending the Google Marketing Live event at the new Mountain View headquarters, um, the Bayview campus. And beautiful campus, great concert at the end of the day. But uh, there were also some interesting announcements that are relevant to all of us in search engine marketing. So uh, it's been a week. We've had a little bit of time to think about it. We've had a nice holiday here in the United States, long weekend. So uh, now that we're back to work, let's go and dig into some of these topics and find out what really matters. And who better to help us understand kind of how how these announcements fit into the broader picture than some of the best PPC experts that have been on PPC Town Hall before. So i got some great guests today and we'll chat about GML and we can't wait to, uh, to hear what you have to say. So this is a live episode. Put your comments in chat. Tell us what you thought was most interesting. Tell us what you want to talk about. But uh, let's get rolling with PPC Town Hall. All right, and here are my experts, Joe, Nava, and Kirk. Welcome back, all of you. Good to be here with this crew. Yeah. Um, and Kirk, Kirk, good to see you again. I saw you last week. You were actually at the GML event, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah and, uh, since we're doing this live, uh, planning media, uh, you're setting the bar here. Where else is everybody calling in from? So do tell us in the chat, say hello. Uh, great to see where you're coming from. But yeah, Kirk, uh, let's maybe start with you. So you were actually at the GML campus or the GML event on the Google campus. Uh, tell us a bit about what it was like before we dive into the uh, the topics they discussed. Yeah, uh, just kind of big picture. Um, so I think Matt Umbro had called this out on Twitter, and uh, I, I tend to agree with him. And that's that like Google Marketing Live, whatever, whatever and wherever it kind of started, whatever purpose it is you know, it, 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 it began as what I see Google Marketing Live really is, is not really a specific, like here are the specific things we're changing, here are the tactics, here's what you can think about as an advertiser. I kind of see it more and more as kind of this high level, like directional visionary, like for our shareholders type of a thing. And so even starting with that is just kind of like, what is it, what are they actually trying to do as we kind of think through and react is probably important. So we're not kind of expecting different things from Google. And again, we can we can even want it to be different than that, but that's kind of the reality of what it is um, at, at this point, uh, kind of those big picture type topics. Yeah, it was certainly uh, highly polished. And, uh, you know, they put this very expensive, I'm sure, sign up there in front of the building, got to sit on a Google bicycle after not having been at Google for 10 years. So, uh, so that was cool. Also great running into Seth. Uh, so he's one of the people commenting here. So we ran into a couple of uh, friends from Optimizer and customers. So uh, that was great to see you all there as well. Um, but uh, Nava, introduce yourself real quick so people remember who you are and, and give us your take on GML. Sure. Uh, howdy. I'm, I'm Nava Hopkins of Nava Hopkins LLC. Uh, I've been in the space since 2008. Uh, I'm on, usually on the top 25 list with these lovely folks uh, who I get to learn from every day. And they are amazing. Uh, GML, this, this year, 
I think those of us that were only seeing the live stream actually had a very different experience than those of us that got to attend live. Um, it definitely feels like there were some really good nuggets in the Q and A's that maybe those of us that weren't or didn't have access to those Q and A's just we we could only gleam what was uh, the pristine, beautiful uh, presentation as opposed to maybe the, the the nuts and bolts getting into the nitty gritty. I definitely had a lot of questions um, and I'm very excited uh, to see some of the, the follow-up that's come out since uh, the event. Uh, but I definitely agree with Kirk. Uh, this, this event each year seems more and more shareholder oriented than new product innovation. There definitely were some great nuggets and there's some things I'm beyond excited about coming from an SEO empath perspective as opposed to just straight PPC. Um, but yeah, this, there's, there's definitely a lot of uh, good, good things to dive into here. It was a little interesting too. I felt it was somewhat sterile, um, which yes. I mean, maybe is a different way of saying it's a shareholder event. And what surprised me was, um, so Jerry Dishler gets up on stage way at the beginning and he does have some announcements about, hey, we're thinking about more transparency into machine learning. Okay, and like, we should all be super excited about that. But I'm like, Ooh, or, but, but I hold back because like everybody's just very... Like I, f I felt like they needed a warm-up comic or something to get the audience going. Kirk, I don't know if you had that sense too, uh, but nobody was responding to anything. So there was no energy in the room, at least for that first session. And then the energy did build, I think, for the later sessions, but I'm not sure if those were live streamed. I was at home like Nava and like you could barely hear the audience in between. So I couldn't tell if it was like, oh, the mics are just really good on the people or was it a dead crowd? Like it for from at home, it sounded dead. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it was, it was small. I mean, so they had 800 people on the campus. Um, and, and I wonder, too, I mean, so if you can only send a limited number of people compared to in the past when it's been thousands that you could send to the San Francisco Convention Center, do you send the people who are more senior, maybe not as excited about, like, this actual thing that's going to make their life much easier? Um, are they less likely to stand up and cheer? I don't know what it was, but it just it was it was different. I know that I had my turn, but for the record, anyone can get anyone to stand up and cheer with the right motivation. So I mean, I, yeah. I, I think you're right. They they needed maybe less candy. Miley Cyrus and, and more stand-up comedians. Yeah. Oh my God, Miley was great though. Like, although it's funny because uh, she, during her show, she was like, wait, why am I here? Where am I? <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Cleveland. Woo! <laughs> Um, I, I, like Fred, to your point, I think it is interesting, like probably, you know, my guess who's in the room, it's probably tends to be more senior level people at, at brands or large agencies, and they might not even be as in touch with some of those specific things that are changing. So some of that may even be not being fully aware of like when something is released, whether that's something cheer worthy or, or boo worthy or nothing. Right. And so one of the things I've, I noted was, like, I, I think there might be the potential for this sort of event where you could maybe have best of both worlds. I, I don't know. Um, maybe have like kind of the bigger picture, high level type stuff, directional. Here's what we're thinking about doing with our Google marketing stuff. Um, but maybe there could be an, an option for some sort of physical, more tactical type focus thing with key advertisers and those who are kind of in the weeds to really have connection with engineers and that. That happens somewhat with Google and sometimes with surveys, things like that, but but not entirely. And that could be an opportunity at that sort of like maybe a couple day event or something like that with GML where there's more of strategic and then more tactical 
uh, type of, of an option in the future. But yeah, and we'll dive into the topics here next. But so they had this uh, de these demo stations, um, right? And what I find fascinating was you talk to literally there's a booth for automation and one person talks about RSAs and one person knows about smart bidding and one person knows about like image ad extension automations. But even between them, there's very little, I think, overlap in terms of what they know and how they understand that their feature impacts something else. And so I think as advertisers, we often come away a little bit frustrated that, oh, Google built like, a, like value rules, for example, or new customer acquisition focus but they mess up your value reporting. And then in reporting, your reports now look wonky because you put in different numbers. Um, and you go to them and you talk to product managers or engineers and they're like, oh, that's kind of outside of my area. Like I didn't know this was happening because they also never use advertising themselves, right? They just build the products. So, um, I mean, my message to everyone listening here today is like, don't assume Google is like just not wanting to do the right thing. They often just work in such silos that they really need us and you to give feedback on this is a very specific pain point. And so we did have a chance being at the event live to, to interact with those people and maybe push them a little bit towards what they needed to be doing. Uh, but I'm really hopeful, like you said, Kirk, that this is going to come back as a more hybrid event where more people can engage with engineers because they do they do, they do need us to know what to build. Um, Good. We have a lot of big topics here. The first one I wanted to start with, uh, and now I'll throw this one to you, but it seemed like ads are going to be everywhere. Do you want to tell us about that? Uh, yeah. So my big takeaway from the whole event was uh, how much the uh, page SERP or search engine result page and uh, the organic search result page or SERP uh, are going to merge together, um, that we're going to have uh, display and shopping even more intermingled than it already is, um, that we are incenting people to, to build uh, their their paid programs uh, into their organic. I mean, that, that's already been happening with local service ads. Um, and one of the things that I actually found really interesting that I was I was hoping to hear something about that we, we didn't uh, is how much the search result pages have actually been shifting over the past couple of months. Um, and I, I, you said we could do a screen share, so I, I pulled up uh, the tweet. I don't know if I'm allowed to share. Yeah, please. Uh, you'll have to request it, and we'll turn it on for you. Uh, um, but yeah, well, Nava pulled that up. So they they didn't so, say anything. Oh, do you have it ready to share? Yeah. Let's, yeah. Uh, uh, so one of the things that's really interesting is that this version of the search result page has come up quite a bit. Um, and this is just search. Um, and you have the local service ad uh, right up here. You have the text ad. You have the map pack. And then you have the organic listings. And every time it comes up, and every time I bring it up in PPC chat, Barry Adams will sometimes cover, cover it, um, we're told it's a bug. Um, but the more that uh, it was discussed that we're going to have those display placements actually serving with our shopping results and our organic results, uh, the, the less that this feels like a bug and the more it feels like there are some tests and how can we blend the line between sponsored um, and earned content. Um, and that we have to start thinking about how we present ourselves uniformly and, and collaboratively um, from both a paid and SEO perspective. So I'm really expecting, not just from a privacy standpoint, which I know all of us have thoughts about, 
but from also just a creative standpoint, how are we setting ourselves up for success to look really good and to have consistent brand messaging? Uh, however, we're showing in the search result page because that line is basically dead, uh, not just on the search side, but also from display. Yeah. And then, so what they showed at the event, and they didn't really talk about it, I think, they, they just kind of like glossed over it. But Jerry Dishler was up there, and, and it's like, okay, a search results page adds at the top, and then you scroll a little bit, and then there's more ads, and then you scroll a little bit, and then there's like maps, and then scroll ads, then scroll maps, um, video, right? And he was talking about this infinite scroll, it's more of a social feed sort of experience. Um, but so instead of going to page two and seeing more ads on page two, the ads now become interspersed in various locations. Uh, and then that's really exciting for us advertisers. I mean, obviously that's more inventory, um, but I'm curious from the other two. So with this blending of PPC and SEO and having to be maybe more consistent in branding, is that something you're thinking about? And, and Joe, maybe to you, like, because video does play pretty highly um, on the search results pages, right? Yeah, my, my curious, I don't know, did they say anything? Or I'm just curious in general, we may not know, is if it's an infinite scroll, is there a chance that your ad could pop up Repeats. again? You know, it's one of those things where I'm curious about that. If that is, that, that's exciting. I mean, for the other formats, like you mentioned, video, it's just an opportunity. It's pretty much almost like just an in-feed ad that we already get on YouTube search results. But now within the main google.com i we our youtube channel benefits greatly from the organic video placement there um but now it could be an opportunity from a lot of brands to get those placements you know have a sponsored one up top that just blends in with the same result just like a regular in-feed ad so the video guy video guy in me loves that one for sure yeah and the algorithm is like damn it joe you're really supposed to click on this ad so we're going to show it to you again and again, and yes. again until you like actually click it and the machine was right well it's, it's 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 you visit a lot of websites and you'll see the same ad from the same company like three four times on a page i know it's not supposed to do that but it happens yeah. all the time and it is google ads so i'm i'm curious how that's going to be controlled from internal from a first party aspect same page frequency capping that's a new feature we need yeah um, <laughs> Good thing there's no average position anymore, right? Because that would totally be obsolete. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's really interesting to me. Like Google's always going to be under some sort of legislative focus. Um, and, and right now they're like being hit from two sides, right? You have the privacy stuff, which is always a big deal and kind of increasing. Everyone needs to figure that out. But like, I mean, Google just got hit. Was it last week? Um I forget the names of everyone, but like with the antitrust stuff, right? Um, you, you even had uh, people on, you know, complete polarized views and a lot of things who were on this bill together and basically, you know, digging into Google. It just seems an interesting, like when, when this is brought to them, um, it just seems like a little bit ironic timing that all of a sudden there's a super focus on them for anti-competitive behavior. And they're like, by the way, we're going to start making like ads and organic be even more blended, right? Um, probably not something they planned on, but irony. Yes. Um, let's shift over to the second big topic here, so privacy. I know we have a lot of subtopics to talk about that, but um, my ad center was sort of the first thing that they, uh, they talked about, so let's cover that. Um, here was another slide, and, and this maybe to put things in context, right? I think us as advertisers, we kind of understand 
what data Google tends to use to show ads. A lot of consumers that I talk to, they still get freaked out and they're like, oh my God, Google's reading every email that I sent. Like they are they're, they're reading my docs. They know everything about me. Um, and, and yes, they obviously have access to that data, but that doesn't mean that the advertising systems run on that. So here was a, a reminder for everyone about Google's privacy commitments. Fairly basic stuff, but always nice when Google says it publicly and stands for this. Um, then they will be held accountable to these standards as well, right? So just as a reminder, but the, the next step there is my ad center. So Nava, do you want to tell us about my ad center? Uh, sure. Uh, and and I, I feel like I'm, I'm definitely uh, getting a little bit of favoritism. So, so definitely everyone else uh, chime in. Um, so my ad center, I'm actually very excited about uh, because I think it's going to be a much more... Uh, robust and and to be frank, more highly used uh, tool for privacy and for curation of content uh, than the current settings. Um, when I talk to my family that aren't initiated into digital marketing, or even to be honest, some folks are just getting into digital marketing, um, the current settings to see what kind of content uh, Google is looking at to, to serve ads to you is really hidden. Uh, and, and most people do not know how to access it. Uh, if you want, we can do a tutorial of how to do that. Um, but that could also be a resource for after. Um, but what's nice about the My Ad Center is that it's going to be a standalone, really easy to use, uh, and also help you control what bits of content you get more ads for and which ones you get less. So what that means is that rather than being bombarded by uh, video content, display content, search content that you just you don't find useful, uh, or you're just you are in such an exploratory phase that it will be a waste for advertisers to spend money on you. You can say you want fewer of that content. If you're like, nah, I'm like really into this. Like, just I need help with more vendors, or you know, sometimes ads are really well done. I genuinely enjoy this. Like bring it on, uh, let, let me spend that sweet money and yeah, I'll, I'll likely engage. Sure, uh, you can say you want more of that content. Um, so it's it's a really powerful way that you can curate what content you get um, and also allow advertisers uh, to have that better uh, message mapping as they are losing the kind of nag at the Christie cookie targeting that, that they used to use. Yeah, so the, the bar gets higher for all of us advertisers if we run bad ads. Consumers will be able to say mute ads from this brand, just going to become easier. Uh, th this also really impacts measurement, right? And I want to throw this one to you, Kirk. Um, but as things become more private, third-party cookies are going away. Um, what, what were some of the things, like the tag, for example, that you heard from Google that have to do with measurements? Yeah, I mean, let me start by noting I'm, I'm gung-ho about whatever Google is trying to figure out with privacy stuff. I should... Be careful in saying whatever, but um, I'm I'm happy that they're trying to figure stuff out and doing some of this stuff, even if it makes it a little frustrating for us learning in that. And that's because I really want to avoid an iOS 14 event in the in the in the SEM world, in the search marketing world, like social advertisers had. And some of why everything just crashed and burned so much with Facebook ads is because it was such a big deal and a surprise thing. And it was like an event, right? And so some of what I see Google doing, um, 
is like seeing like I think they're maybe doing a decent job of like looking down the road and seeing kind of like what's coming in some ways, like having the benefit of looking back on things like iOS 14 and like these are the sort of changes that can happen in our industry. And and uh, and, and so let me just note, like I, I'm actually happy with them trying to do this so that we can transition this stuff over time and avoid kind of this like this hard hitting thing that then we got to figure out and deal with clients and budgets and that. So, so like some of what they announced and some of what that looks like are things like um, on device measurement. Um, so like I'm no I'm no privacy expert. Right. But the idea the idea being that when you know, when someone accesses something, then, you know, they're they're looped into that audience, whatever it is. And then and then that just is immediately erased right on their device. It never leaves that. So there's kind of a more secure thing there. Likely that's going to be more in line with future laws, things like that. Um, and then, um, and then the Google tag they announced is is intriguing to me. And they did not give much information about this at all. Um, but one of the things we do know, I mean, like GA4 is switching to uh, like an event-based model as opposed to session-based, which is universal analytics. And uh, I was just talking to Simon Poulton about that. He's someone to follow on Twitter, S-P-O-U-L-T-O-N, Simon Poulton. And he's going to be on our, our privacy podcast episode that we're releasing soon. Um, and it just kind of talking through like what are some of the reasons for that switch and how that has to do with privacy. But one of the interesting things about the Google tag is that you're only going to have to have one tag now for both GA4 and, and ads. Um, so you're just going to have this, this one uh, first party cookie tag. And it's just going to be kind of interesting to see like what I don't know is like what does that mean even in terms of what sort of data Google ads is now would, would be collecting um, that may include additional data, like analytics type data they didn't have access to in order to inform machine learning and that. I, I honestly don't really know that. Um, but it's just, it's just very interesting to me that there will be this singular tag. And like what that means in the future is probably at, le- at the very least something for us to be aware of. I think a couple of times they mentioned like app, like with GA4 stuff, with a lot of the app stuff being built in. So they did mention like app information a few times. I'm like, you're assuming like everyone has an app, <laughs> you know? So it's like, I understand it's important sure. signal for a lot of people who have them, but like a lot of them don't. <laughs> Most of my clients do not have an app. They're just not in that industry or space. So it's, I'm, I'm curious about that one with the singular tag thing that you mentioned and a lot of GA4 stuff, especially since the information that we're seeing in GA4, there's so much information at least pulled away from us visibility. So where are these, additional signals coming from if we can't see them in the new GA4 interface? Yeah, a good question. Um, I, I do like the whole unification of tags because it has gotten really complicated with privacy, right? So now you have one tag that does remarketing and a different tag that does um, your audience list building or whatever. And now you have to figure out, well, did I get the consent from the user? And then my subsequent tags can fire, right? And that becomes very complicated to set up in GTM. So if you have one tag, and so Google is building consent mode into these tags. So the moment that the user says, I approve these three out of four types of things that you track. So look at GTM, right? Sorry, the uh, GDPR, I mean. So look at European websites. You go there, you have to approve four different tags. Uh, Google's automating this. So that's a huge win, I think for us because I don't want to deal with that technical detail. I just want to advertise. I don't want to worry about sequential tags firing. Um, But then, yeah, where does all this extra data come from? Where does it go to? Uh, Because there's also a lot of talk about audience list sharing, right? And that touches maybe a little bit on video and performance max campaigns. I don't know if anyone wants to talk about that. 
I'll chime in on audiences, but Joe should chime in first. <laughs> I, I, if there was a lot on performance max. Um, that's probably when I turned the Twitter feed off of people's response to all the performance max news. <laughs> Twitter was like, Oh, here we go. Here we go. Um, I, I mean, it's a campaign type that's not going away. So it's one thing that we have to embrace it. So any additional features that they could give us there are, it's just going to be beneficial. So the fact that I think, you know, experiments are stuff that we could test between them is something that I like and, you know, more transparency on what they're doing to optimize that performance max campaigns. Where are they getting the information from that feeds the changes that they're making within the account? So I think that's one a few new features that I thought were beneficial. Um, anything in terms of like, oh, but we're also adding optimization score to it. I'm like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> it's optimization, optimization score for all, all campaigns. While I still think it's valuable, it can give you insights on stuff that you are missing. I, I don't blow it off completely. Um, it's not my live all be all. I'm, I'm not going to do everything that they say. I, I will definitely pay attention to it, but um I, I still think in terms of what I want to control, I'd rather set up some more like experiments and tests where I can look at different assets between even campaign types and see which ones are actually making the difference. Yeah, here was the, the big stat about uh, optimization score. So 10-point lift in optimization score gives you median 14% increase in conversions. Um, so obviously that's highly desirable, right? But yeah. I always love these though. It's like blanket conversions. I was like, where, what, what, what are they what pulling as conversions? You know, it's one of those things where like, cool. What accounts was this from? Like, how was it set up? Just an overall blanket. Yeah, they saw a lift in conversions. I was like, I need a little bit more information to get excited about that, Google. Yeah, we just did an RSA study for uh, for SMX Advanced. And anyone who hasn't signed up for SMX Advanced, it's free this year. It's in two weeks, so go ahead and register. Um, but yeah, we we looked at. If you do different things in RSAs, what's the impact on conversion value, ROAS? And a lot of those numbers we figured are, you can't really trust because conversions are self-reported, value self-reported. And then we found this one account that had like $3 billion worth of conversion value. And we're like, pretty sure that's not right. Um, they have to start filtering that, but still uh, take it with a huge grain of salt. Well, and didn't Google just change, I believe, customer match? So if you if you upload a customer match, match list, I believe by default now, it, it can be included in smart bidding. Yes. Um, and so, I mean, that just happened. So that, that was kind of an interesting, again, like a lot of what Google changes tactically for us almost happens in kind of almost sometimes quiet ways, like throughout the year to, to, to monitor. Um, one of the, I'll just note this real quick on the customer match side. So... One of the things like for us advertisers, just to just to be aware of and think through, like so so I think ideally, like you I, as much as possible, it would be ideal for you to no longer touch customer match list because that is like that's starting to get into uh, holding personal private information of your clients' customers, right? So I'm kind of thinking agency in that. Um, so like we're starting as much as possible to try to have our, like to have our clients actually upload that. So then it's, it's them holding that data and Google. Right. But the flip side is like, if, if we are as agencies holding that data, like what we are doing now, um, just to really be as much as possible privacy compliant is like, we are getting rid of that data. So we might receive that from a client, 
uploaded that into Google, delete all forms of the file, get rid of that in every sense, because um, that way we personally as an agency do not hold that private information. And that is something I think just, you know, I, I doubt a lot of agencies are doing that. And I think that is really something to ponder as we continue to move into this privacy area where that sort of thing can get you in trouble in the future. And I'll just chime in there from a tool standpoint. Gone are the days where we even have to hold customer lists. Most CRM systems, uh, most landing page tools have that direct integration with Google already. And even if they don't, Zapier, it's easy. It's easy, easy, easy. So unless you are holding your, your own list of, of a Google sheet and it's like the equivalent of a Google sheet shopping feed and, it, and it's, it's you, like you own it, odds are you're using some form of CRM. There's zero need to have that downloaded list. Um, almost every single tool has a direct integration. So um, 100% with you there, Kirk, like there, we shouldn't ever be seeing that list. It should always be hash. It, sh it should always be that direct integration. Yeah, from the smart bidding effect of that list, it's set at the account setting level. And it's literally like you use it or you don't. So it's not one, it's like it's like all your customer lists or none at all. So it, it doesn't seem like there's a way to segment like, eh, only use these lists. These are valuable. So if you want to use it, it's an opportunity to go back into your audiences and clean up or remove a lot of old irrelevant lists. Otherwise, it's all the customer list audiences that you have created will affect your smart bidding. And uh, one new type of list and customer segment is uh, your loyalty users. So that's particularly relevant to shopping. Kirk, you want to tell us about that one? Yeah, um, they're you know allowing for you know loyalty list users to be uploaded. So this is one of those things I think is like it's pretty cool for brands who use that, who uh, you know have some sort of loyalty type program. Um, and if you don't, then you know, it's, it's probably not going to be something you're going to utilize, right? Exactly. Um, so like one of those, like, cool, if you can use it, access it. Kind of like they, they added, uh, you, I think th in the future, you'll be able to upload 3D um, product images into the feed, right? So they can start doing like 3D models and that. And um, it's kind of like, yeah, if you have those or if, if you have access to get them, absolutely upload them and use them. But that's also probably a lot of people. Exactly. So that's like augmented reality shopping results. Yeah. Um, so you see a, a chair that you might like, you put it in AR, put it in your room, see what it looks like. Um, so I was talking to one of the product managers on that because I, I was kind of the same point as you. Is like, I'm not a huge company. I don't have these 3D files. Like, how do I get them? Um, and so more and more services are coming up and you know, it's maybe a couple hundred dollars to scan in one of your items. Um, and then if you have a big enough business and you sell enough of these, maybe it is worth going through that modeling and hopefully it gets cheaper too over time as more vendors start to support that. At the very, at the very least, like focusing, I mean, a lot of brands have like those five products that are whatever, you know, 60%, 80% of their sales. Like then it really may be one of those things to ponder is like at the very least, maybe we take those, those top products, invest that money in those. We don't necessarily have to do that for every single thing. It's, it's not all or nothing, right? Exactly. So really focus on optimizing those, those key products. Exactly. And then you optimize your feeds. Um, and we'll get to Tim's question here in a minute, but we'll optimize those feeds. And then you can also start using them at your video ads, Joe. Yeah, they're starting to bring back some more features to I 
I'm going to call it true view for shopping. I know it's not called that anymore, but it's just, it's habit. You, you give me that for so many years and then it's going to take me a while to adjust to that. But yeah, product feeds have been available in the, in the video action campaigns for a while. Um, and Google has done stuff recently where they said like, Hey, we're also going to expand it to the brand awareness campaigns. And I laughed at that. I was like, well, that's not a new feature because when they originally were released, they were released in the product and brand awareness campaign objectives. So, I mean, pretty much if you're doing the website visits, you know, conversion shopping or a campaign without a goal, you can create a video action campaign, link your products up uh, from there. And from the video action campaign standpoint, you do have more options from product selection within the ad. Well, so people are scrolling on that from a device, but there's been some expansion there. So the ability now to include products for vertical videos and we're going to start, start seeing that coming through in, in those specific placements on apps in, in YouTube is a pretty cool expansion. Yeah. Um, sure. Let, let's try to answer Tim's question here. So back to privacy and, and tracking. Uh, so let's show that question right there. So I, I don't know exactly the answer to this, but Tim, uh, so the Google universal tag is a third-party tag on your site, right? It is not your own. Um, so you would still have to go through the permissioning and the user would have to permit certain types of tracking to happen for that tag to be able to work. So I don't think there's a huge change, um, but I think what you're referring to is how iOS basically disallows a lot of these by default uh, because they're third-party. Um, Google is obviously much more web-focused. Um, in Safari, I'm sure they're still going to see this as third party, so it's going to get blocked. Uh, but but I don't. I mean, I think Google is just in a better position. Um, and Google, like you keep talking to advertisers who run on Facebook, and they're all decreasing their budgets because it's becoming harder. Um, it's not having the results that they saw before, so that money is shifting towards Google. Um, I don't know if anyone else has a different take on that, but I, I don't think it's going to cause a huge shift in anything. So. And again, we start to get into some of this complex technical stuff. Um, my understanding is that the Google tag is a first party cookie. Um, based on, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why they shifted, especially like to the G tag, um, was because it was first party now and no longer, you know, having to deal with the third party stuff. But again, like a guy like Simon is usually who I'm like, hey, Simon, can you help me with this super technical privacy question? I don't know. Nava, did you have some? Uh, yeah, so the, the core difference between iOS and Google, um, A is the, is the time length. Um, so I believe iOS has 28 days um, and uh, Google is 30 days uh, that someone the, the, the pixel permissions are, are remain current and then need to be rechecked. Um, the other piece to whether it's server side or um, event based, my understanding, and again, I could, I like Kirk, I definitely do not want to be quoted on this. I just, this is, this is my, my understanding of, of, of how this plays out uh, is that because it's going to be device based, it would, it would be contained uh, to, to the, the device. So it, it would actually in theory be cleaner the other component to that is that you the advertiser or the brand 
can apply um, certain traits that you believe apply to the um, uh, to that audience segment that you that you track within. Um, so you actually kind of like with a like custom intent uh, audiences, you can apply what you believe is true about those folks. I will say I have been pushing much, much harder um, for all of my clients uh, and, and for everyone that I work with to focus far more on um, customer match oriented lists. Um, not only do they have a really positive impact on performance max campaigns, uh, they also are probably the cleanest uh, to take between each individual ad platform. Uh, and uh, they are they present the best opportunity to collaborate with your SEO friends from a CRO standpoint. Uh, so as you build uh, those consensual uh, conversations uh, and you get people to, to opt in to a customer list, that data is always going to carry through. Whereas there are, there are discrepancies in how long uh, you can belong to a list on iOS versus uh, Google. So the, the data might just be different. And so that can create discrepancies in your sources of truth. Um, so I, I tend to uh, prefer more customer match audiences. Um, and again, using uh, a single source of truth uh, GA4, uh, mm -hmm. as opposed to uh, in the individual ad platforms. Yeah, and then on-device tracking, which Kirk had mentioned, comes into play here too. So even for those users who disallow um, tracking that goes off of their, the site, if you can track on the device, then you don't actually need to write the same permissions. And this is flock technology, basically. So federated learning of cohorts, which Google then scrapped. But one component of that was on device conversion tracking. And so Google is clearly not throwing away all that work, but they're bringing it back into little segments that make sense. Um, but yeah, I can't, can't wait for your podcast episode and hopefully a follow-up blog post to enlighten us on the, all of these difficult technical questions. So Tim, thank you for taking us on uh, this wild goose chase, I think, like what works, what doesn't, but we'll have more answers soon. Um, let's go back to Performance Max for a second. So uh, Joe, you already talked about OptiScore. Uh, we just talked about audiences, but, but let's talk about goals. One thing they announced was in-store purchase behavior. Kirk, that might be a good one for you to cover. Yeah, yeah, I can I can chat um, about that. So that is uh, so they're getting that through like Google My Business, right? And then you do have to have that linked up and have to have that extension, um, the location extensions set there. But they are gonna. It sounds like begin to utilize that um, within your you know performance max campaigns objectives. So which which again suggests that you have certain amount of traffic in store that. You know that's all able able to be used, and there's enough data for them to, you know, pull their conversion modeling off of and make some wise choices in the in the campaign. So, is it basically like a store visit type conversion action? That's a good question. Um, let me look back into again. Again, the details are often my windows. I have much, right, so they they kind of throw out what's what's happening. But then, if you want to know how to do it, it's like. Uh... Um, so you're looking that up, Kirk? 
Yeah, I was I, like, I was literally looking to see. I, I believe that's what they're doing is more of that like store visit. And and again, I was even trying to try. And someone, you know, one of your listeners might even have better insight into that. Um, I was even like, I was chatting with someone internally. I was like, so help me understand. Are they? Is this like a logged in user on their phone with with physical like location tracking set on, and then that walks? I believe that's how it is, right? That walks into a store. Again, like what you're going to have to have a certain amount of percentage of that. Um, I know in the past they had beacons. Like I remember we had like we had a little co-working space. We actually received a beacon and put it up. I've not really heard of beacons for a while. Are those things are, are beacons out of the picture for GMB or do they still send those? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Just, why, why were beacons even a thing, right? I mean, like the cell phone or the, the, the phones are tracking so precisely now. Uh, and, and so Google explained this at one point, but they use the Wi-Fi signal strength and they know where the Wi-Fi hubs are. And then they combine that with the cell phone and the GPS. And so even if you're in a shopping mall, they can literally tell if you're on one side of the wall in the Apple store, on the other side of the wall in the Microsoft store. Um, so that's like, who cares about a beacon? Maybe that was to help like originally train um, some of that, yeah. you yeah. know, some of their things. So. Anyways, yeah. Yeah, so I, I believe that that is what they're doing. So you can start to have that as, you know, a, a target as well, just to give the machine more data. Exactly. But so performance max not going anywhere, more capabilities getting added to it. I thought it was interesting how um, it'll give you insights about audiences that you haven't. So the, the problem with audiences historically has always been you have to add an audience for observation to get any insights on it. But in Pmax, it's actually Google will tell you, oh, you didn't attach this audience, but we noticed it's doing really well. So here's a new insight. So the problem is always, can you actually do something with it? Because performance max campaigns have very few levers. Uh, and maybe one of the most frustrating things, and Joe, you should talk about this, but like video in performance max campaigns and how Google will automatically generate a video. Have you, yeah. have you seen any good ones like that? Or how do you do that? No, I, I, because of that, I've told clients who want to test it. Let's wait till you let's wait till you have a video. <laughs> uh, it it kind of the tool's not around anymore, but there kind of isn't a whatever. There was like a website where users can go to. It was a video builder tool. It was a beta thing for a while. I know the beta's closed. Some people can still access it, I believe, in some other ways. But it was Google wanted to build a tool where you can help you easily create a YouTube video, get it on your channel so you can start using it for ads. They had some fault default like pre-built templates. Uh, and it was the same thing, like add a few images here. You know, if you have an app, there's a link to the app and they had different templates for all that. But it was literally like almost like a slideshow video, like, oh, here comes one image with some text over it. Here's another image. So for brands that are very strict on how their brand is perceived or the type of quality of creative, that is something where those built videos aren't going to be for you. And you might get yelled at if your client is like that. So I, we typically wait until we have a client that has a decent looking YouTube video uploaded to the channel. And then we try to push them to kind of leave it unlisted so you can test it a little bit. So I know since the data in performance max isn't always as clear as we want, say we know this video is in our performance max campaigns. And then from there, it just gives us better information on how that video is actually performing. Um, and then you can just create an audience of use this video specifically as an ad, layer that into some of your other campaigns and get better insights on how that performance max video is doing. But, you know, it's, I recommend waiting till you have one, a video specifically created for it, but we understand you may want to just test earlier. 
Yeah, and it, it's it's sort of weird how Google goes with these template-based things where, like you said, it's just a boring slideshow. Um, and sorry, Nava, let's let's get this image off of your face. Production studio, let's get that image off of Nava's face so we can see her. Um, but what's fascinating to me is... <laughs> uh, there you go. Thank you. So when it comes to machine learning and artificial intelligence and the generation of creatives, I mean, I think for a long time we've said that humans are just going to be better at that than machines. Uh, but that is shifting a little bit, right? So uh, Optimizer soon will be using OpenAI's GPT-3 mechanism to write new headline variations. Um, it's kind of cool because you can say, listen, here's three headline variations that I have. Write me a fourth and a fifth that are kind of talking about the same thing. And the machine learning is now good enough to understand what were these three headlines saying? What was the theme about them? And how do we say those things maybe in a slightly different way? Um, or you even say, like, write me some text headlines that are, you know, within the character limit based on this homepage. And the machine does a decent enough job. And you still want humans to validate it. You obviously still want your human creativity to be the marketing director and the creative genius that comes up with a slogan like, just do it. The machine's not going to do that for you. Uh, but when it comes to you just like having an RSA and struggling to get those last three headlines in, machines are going to be really good at that. And that's text. The next level of that, and what I'm showing on the screen here, is DALI 2. Uh, so it's from OpenAI. So this is an image generator. So this astronaut on a horse, um, obviously, it's not an actual photo. But it was also not done in Photoshop by someone. You literally just type in what you want the image to show, and the machine learning is able to generate a photorealistic image of something that you can now use in an ad. Um, you know, we're probably just a couple of years away from this being possible for video, right? And so now, Joe, you can go and say, um, my brand has these colors, right? So stick with that brand scheme. Here's my logo. But like, put that together in like uh, the style of a music video, and it'll generate something. And again, you'll have to review it. It's not going to yeah. be perfect. It's kind of um, like you know, we have a few clients using promo.com. And if you, yeah. you know, they have a, a variety of just stock video footages. You can paste some text wherever you want it and create a better looking video than some of the cheap tools out there. So, I mean, the more that they can get it in there, I, I was hoping they would continuously expand upon a video builder tool. They kept like giving us something, releasing it, giving us something, and taking mm -hmm. it away again. So, I mean, if the closer it gets and assume that there's at least something to add to it that's better than a slideshow type video, it's always a good thing. Yeah. And, and then there were some fascinating talk at the event too about, um, you know, the, the machine learning mechanism that surfaces the best things like within RSAs or whether it's in your asset library. Um, it can only judge you based on what you've put in, right? You might have put in five headlines and it'll tell you which ones are the best. And, and there's new experimentation tools and maybe Nava, you can cover that next but it'll tell you what's best, but it's not going to tell you that five other headlines that you didn't think of would have been better. Um, and so that's still the human element that we're going to have to bring to the table. Uh, but let's talk about experimentation. Nava, you want to take that one? Sure. Uh, so one of the things I actually found really interesting uh, about this event, most of the content wasn't really geared towards what I would call the SMB. Experiments was the one exception. Um, and ironically, that's the one exception that, that, to be frank, I'm the most nervous about because it's so easy to click a button and make a mistake. Now, granted, experiments are not going to take all of your money and they're not going to, to hurt things, but 
uh, Google made a very big point during GML um, about one-click experimentations for Performance Max, one-click experiments about upgrading. That was that was the other thing that I found kind of adorable and also horrifying that we're talking about upgrading exact match to broad or upgrading your ETAs to RSAs and upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. It's like the, uh, the, the Cybermen and uh, Dr. Who upgraded. Uh, but yeah, the, the long and short of it is that it seems like experiments are no longer just, uh, the, the domain of the, of the technical professional, like they're, they're trying to make them more accessible. Yes. Ah, oh, all right. One second. One second. This is actually really important. Okay. What did we just do for all of those of you <laughs> listening? <to Bob? laughs> While she's gone, let me note a quick correction. We were chatting about this in, in chat. Uh, it is in-store sales, Joe, not just in-store. So for the record, okay. I, know this is, I know this is live. Um, this is my happiness box. And whenever I would do an, a, something with my team live, we would always use this to, to talk about the happiness. And like, you. so yeah. So your happiness is bigger on the inside. Doctor <laughs> Who, Star Wars... Which are like Star Wars and Doctor, Doctor Who. Screw GML. Let's, let's 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 like just start nerding out together. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the long the long and short of of my rant about experiments uh, is that they are much more accessible now within accounts. Um, and so on the one hand, that's great because it's going to open the doors for everyone to play with them. But at the same time, that's really horrifying because not everyone is going to understand exactly what they're doing. And they're not always going to necessarily know um, what parameters to set for experiments. The average business owner that I speak to that isn't enterprise or SaaS or, or seasoned, um, they don't know what their average customer is worth. They don't know how many customers that they can get in a given month. And like, there's there's a lot of tools out there. Um, and shout out to our host Optimizer is is actually building that into Optimizer right now. Um, if you don't know those basics, you're not going to be able to set a meaningful experiment. So on the one hand, it's great that experiments are being made a lot more accessible. Um, but on the other hand, I'm actually very nervous about it, um, particularly when it comes to uh, performance max uh, and broad match. It's already so many moving, so many variables in those types of campaigns. If you're trying to set up multiple experience with experiments with all the different variables it's like how many tests are you actually running at the same time and that's something that people got to be careful for so google announced their first one-click experiment which is the one that takes all of your keywords and turns them into broad match because did, did google mention it i don't remember but the 15 percent of searches being new i actually don't think they said it at the event but then the day after i talked to my rep and they they said it again uh, but oh, yeah, they said it one time. They Man. said it one time, and I don't think they did. That's crazy, right? And that's that's a, that's a stat that they've been that putting out changed. for years. Oh, <laughs> maybe it maybe it dipped, maybe it changed. Interesting, yeah. But no, I'm, I'm really excited about these experiments, too. I think. Just the way that we have to manage these accounts and run statistically significant tests has obviously changed, and I'm happy to hear that Google is making that easy. But then at the same time, I, I do have a concern because, um, like, they always talk about insights and like, hey, did you know this audience does really well, or or do you want to try broad match keywords? But but sometimes, 
you know, if we find broad match doesn't work that well in some cases, like what's the alternative, right? Like, sure, we can go back to exact, but exact is no longer exact. So how much control do we really have? So is this just making us feel good or is this actually helping us make the accounts better? And I think that's the next thing we kind of have to push Google towards is, um, and, and, you know, I talked to some PMs, right? And, and they're basically like, okay, we're, we're in, in performance max. We're going to tell you if an audience is underperforming. Well, um, but they're like, that, that doesn't matter because smart bidding is accounting for that. So you're automatically bidding lower for that. But my point was, I don't want to bid lower for that underperforming segment. I want to know who that segment is and why they're underperforming, right? Like if it happens to be that New York is not performing quite as well, is that a bidding problem or is it a messaging product mix problem, right? If you don't tell exactly. me that, then I can't optimize my business. And sure, I'm still coming in under my my goals for CPA, for example, but that's not really what I want. I want to optimize my whole business, not just my bids. And that's the thing that I think they often don't quite understand. Again, because one team manages bidding, the different team manages the insights that you get, but they haven't connected those two together. I, I was just talking with uh, a Googler actually at GML about that exact thing. And, and like, you know, he brought the insights tab. Well, you know, we have insights tab. There's some interesting stuff. And it was like, I don't, I don't just care about those few audiences that you might see statistically change. So you want to show me like those few things, like exactly like you said, Fred, like what about all the other stuff? What about the opportunities that we have um, that might not be statistically significant enough, but that we might be able to find ways that we could target this specific audience with this shoe um, and, and then be able to build that into more of a statistically significant audience. Right. Um, yeah, good. That's a, that's a great, I think that's a, I think that's a huge point. And a lot of us have been talking to Google about that for a while, like in removing things like search terms, you're not just, it's not just about like, eh, we want control. It's that we were like using that for a lot more than just simply negative keywords. We were informing landing page creation. We were informing like SEO stuff. Um, there's just a, there's a lot of business stuff that goes into losing data. That's that's more than just a few of us advertisers whining about control. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're coming up on time here. So uh, anything that we haven't covered that you feel is important and you want to talk about? Lightning I round. Think, I just think overall it was. Yeah, a good portion of it is search still, but I think of heck of a lot of it wasn't really about search there's a i mean performance max covers you know pretty much everything we got a lot of video announcements that we typically don't get and the fact that they almost led that thing off the key in the keynote with video stuff we got display announcements and updates to discover and everything so it's there's it's a lot more than search it's a it's a huge landscape so i know there's so many accounts out there that are still just search 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 focused I think eventually those are going to struggle without other information feeding the beast. And the, the reason I've always loved YouTube is that it was just, it's YouTube is the Google property. It's a massive Google property where we can collect a bunch of first party information from there. Now look at all the other opportunities we get to collect other first party information and audiences from those things. So it's, I, that is one way to kind of feed different signals is to actually start testing all of these and not just do pure search especially with all the limitations and the search queries that we're losing now it's we need to find different channels within the google landscape to get more signals to make better campaigns and google said that youtube on connected devices on connected tvs is the most watched 
video platform. So it's not Netflix. It's not some other ones you might watch. It's YouTube. I was uh, disappointed. There's one announcement I wanted because I talked to the product team for a few different countries like half a year ago. And I told them I want QR code extensions for YouTube. And I was hoping we'd get something like that, like Hulu has. You know, you watch a and on Hulu is a QR code. And so many people are watching YouTube on TV. I was like, when's a QR code extension coming? Uh, you get that. Take my money. Keep asking for that. The, yeah. the other thing I just um, sort of talked about, like everything's becoming more visual, right? So we talked about the search results page becoming a hybrid of SEM and SEO. But what we haven't really talked about, and I think we should all be thinking about, is it's becoming more social. Google thinks of it as a feed with lots of images, lots of videos. And if you think what people do on TikTok, what they do on Instagram, like that's the bar for the interaction with those pages. Now, obviously, it's a search, right? So the intent is different, but the outcome of it and the window into shopping ads or your retailer, your advertiser is becoming more of a social thing. They had uh, that cool example of like you could take a picture and upload it to Google, like you're, you're image searching, but you're taking a photo. You can add text over the photo that you're uploading for the search. So it's that type of visual engagement that's going to be extremely important exactly multi sort of input type searches i i have yeah a couple brief thoughts to close um again like whether we like it or not it's clear what direction google keeps running running in and so i just i just really think that brands investing more and more into just nailing creative is really important because someone might complain like, well, performance max and, you know, because they have the assets and you do all that stuff, man, if, if a brand can really figure out how to have fantastic creative and actually invest in it, um, then, I mean, also you can just utilize that across multiple platforms too, right? But I just think that's going to be really, really crucial moving forward, especially in these kind of mixed campaign types. Um, and then one just real quick, small thing that uh, I haven't really seen anyone anywhere talk about. So I'm almost like, man, did I almost mishear that? But so Zapier, Zapier is being integrated into Google Ads um, for uh, like for measurement, um, which I think is kind of a cool little thing. So you will be able to utilize your CRM and get some of that data in, which for B2Bers, I know a lot of times, and you know, unfortunately, like a lot of times Google's focused more on e-com than B2B, but some of the things with B2B, at some point, I do think that leaning into the value-based machine learning that Google clearly uses and just figuring out how to put like conversion inputs of, of different layers of the, of the customer journey, assigning value and then having that integrated in so Google can utilize that is probably just really something B2Bers are just going to have to kind of lean into. And hey, it could be a little bit easier for you if, if you know, with Zapier's integration. So, yeah. you know, Exactly. I, I totally agree. It's come, becoming easier. So they announced a HubSpot integration for that. Um, and then Mizzle is sort of uh, uh, one of our listeners is asking about struggling with all these different assets. So another announcement that Google made was an asset library, which has existed for some advertisers for a while, but it is becoming globally available to all advertisers. And so it's going to be one place where you can see how your assets are doing across your whole account uh, and even multi-account. So that's going to hopefully simplify things a little bit um, for some. And they're, adding, they're adding video to the asset library, which helps instead of just images. But they need to add a remove feature to it so you can get rid of the ones that you don't want anymore. Yeah. Bulk edits. Uh, Nava, any final thoughts from you? Just that I'm really interested to see uh, 
what the outcomes of the trust fall is going to be with the broad smart bidding RSA. Um, that, I think, caused the most knee-jerk skepticism um, amongst all of us, even less so than, than performance max, um, mostly because performance max can work well, whereas broad match, like we all are, are so terrified of it. Um, to be fair, I actually like broad match in certain instances, in certain instances. Um, but there is something to be said for bidding on the broad keyword dating versus finding the right partner near me and giving an age range and putting in those two words on broad match. Um, yes, it, it is true that uh, the algorithms have, have exponentially improved. The machine learning is wild, but until we actually see uh, the nuts and bolts uh, of what goes into that machine learning, to be frank, it's it's not reasonable to ask folks to trust fall completely into a single word on broad match and then RSAs without pins and then smart bidding without guardrails. Like we we still need to be somewhat involved. Um, but I, I do think that a certain amount of trust fall will, will be needed. Um, and I, I definitely actually really encourage everyone, if you haven't already tested performance max, um, do do go ahead and do so, um, especially if you're actually a lower spending account. I found that some of the accounts that really struggled um, with search, um, and this goes to the points that, that were made earlier, that search is a first step for many and it shouldn't be. Um, Performance Max has done a great job for accounts that either can't afford search auction prices, um, or to be frank, do better when display, discover, shopping, video, local, um, are those those first touches. Um, and, and there is a lot of, if we don't want to call it good, um, we'll call it passable, um, that can be gained from those automations. So please, please try if, if you've still been skeptical about performance max. Exactly. But have the guardrails in place. Um, yes. And it's often what makes it work out well. If you have a, a reasonable CPA or ROAS, then sure, Google can find you incremental conversions for that. Uh, Tammy's pointing out one disappointing area where Google hasn't made the connection between everything is uh, budget forecasting in the, uh, the planner tool. Uh, I believe when I was talking to them, they understand or definitely working on it. It's just a matter of when it uh, becomes available. But good, uh, panelists, you've been amazing. Um, as Alan comments that Skynet PPC, what could possibly go wrong? Um, yes, Skynet PPC was not announced, Alan, maybe next year. Um, but now uh, Joe Kirk, Thank you for joining and thank you for uh, sharing what you all thought about GML and uh, looking forward to hearing again next year. We'll definitely be back with PPC Town Hall uh, later this month. So sign up on ppctownhall.com for the mailing list to know about new episodes or just uh, sign up, subscribe here on the YouTube page. And thanks everyone for watching. We'll see you for the next one. Thanks, Fred. Thanks for thank having you. us.